0: Live from the Caves of Time, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. folks welcome to another episode of derail trains of thought this is episode 38 my name is timothy deal uh and i'm nick hayden and so nick tell me about where we're at right well now. it's a little more obscure place than we've ever been before i think but possibly possibly
1: but anyways all i know is that we can go left here and go down the corridor and see what happens or we can go right here and go down the corridor and see what happens
0: hmm and uh, that's all you're going to tell me? That's all I know
1: right now, yes. And okay. then. <laughs> and
0: what happens if I turn to page 37?
1: Well, it go to page 37, then we end up in colonial America.
0: Oh, okay. Well, good to know.
1: Yes. But if we go um, to page 28, we end up dead, assassinated by uh, John Wilkes Booth.
0: This is a strange place. It is
1: a strange It's the Caves of Time. Uh, apparently. You end up wherever you want, or oh. don't want. <laughs> well, it seems
0: like it's very well named.
1: And it's a little random, actually, depending on which way you go.
0: Sounds like it. Yeah. But anywho, um, we're not here to talk about obscure whatever we're talking about. So let's move right into our our main segment, Story School. Okay, for Story School today, we are going to be talking about... Um, a subject that's probably more uh, writer-related than uh, other, but there's some other, there's some special case, uh, cases. And what is that topic next? That
1: is uh, the perspective, the point of view of your writing. First person, third person, narration, diverse, narration. narration da- different types of third person, yes. Right. Uh, we decided to do this just because I ra- wrote a random... Blog about it, and we thought,
0: "Hey, there's a topic." <laughs> well, he was in our our possible uh, topic list, which is just... amazing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, what that we have a topic list? Well, that
1: too. But that is on there. I I did not remember putting it there. So,
0: so okay, let's go over real quick, just for people who weren't writing majors. What? Who are you? Okay. <laughs> what? What are we... probably being productive members of society, but. <laughs> what do we mean by what are the different tenses that Tense you can write a story it. in well
1: tenses like past present okay. sort of
0: you can include that but I mean, okay. okay perspective okay point of views, point of
1: POV. views. POV yeah, yeah. Um, well there's first person which is the I am doing this I am doing that you know I Jedi which apparently is a Star Wars book first person about a Jedi but um, you know Huck Finn I'm doing this and I'm hanging out on a river raft
0: yeah. and talking in southern drawl. yeah like which
1: that. I'm not going to even pretend to yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: causes problems for element for younger readers yes yes it (laughs) does figure out the dialect
1: so for that's first person very common nowadays uh and i'll mention this later but i was harassing tasha that all ya books are first person present tense which is i am doing this right now i am being hit over the head i am (laughs) suffering i am not being able to choose between my two very good looking boyfriends whatever all
0: (laughs) that way (laughs) (laughs) Even the ones that are narrated by a guy, probably. Um,
1: very few wives are narrated by a guy.
0: <laughs> well, that's probably true. Uh, <laughs>
1: uh, at least the ones Natasha reads. Okay,
0: so what? that's that's first, first person. First person, yes. So th- th- is there a second there
1: person? There is a second person. You don't see it very often. I hear, if my memory serves me, there are some literary ver- examples. Okay. Uh, I remember there was a short story, story we read in college called, I think it was called Rape Dreams.
2: That's disturbing. It was kind
1: of it was kind of a humor, but anyways, it was you are doing this, you are doing that. It's most common from you know choose your own adventure books, mm-hmm. interactive fiction, things that are trying to make the reader I feel like they're, they're 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 the character, which uh, would be a hint hint for the caves of
0: time. In case we didn't give that away
1: already. Yeah, <laughs> well maybe some people grew up without choose your own adventure books. Uh. That's poor, hard. poor children. <laughs> it's always possible. It, it's possible. I mean, if you haven't died for no good reason while reading a book, <laughs> <laughs> you haven't
0: lived. <laughs> okay, they should put that on a tagline for their books. <laughs> I think it's probably kids these days. Kids these days would probably say that they have that for no good reason in one of their video games. We're,
1: we're so old, Tim. Okay. <laughs> okay.
0: Back in our day, we had to read a book to interact with fiction. But, we, but we've talked about interactive fiction. So we won't
1: before. go over that. But there are – I th- I want to say, and I could be completely off my rocker, but I want to say that Virginia Woolf has some book written in second person. Oh, really? But, again, it might just be like two random neurons crashed together and told me that. So, <laughs> But I know um, Natasha one time had uh, tried to read a, a Vance Reader copy of a like a modern teenage, like pretty thick – Choose your own adventure type book. Oh, interesting! Not not like the one the adventure like, oh, I'm a pirate and I just died. Be the cannonball chop my leg off or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Okay. And then there's third person. Yes. Which is you know for many many years was the way you wrote things. You know mm-hmm. he did such and such a thing. She did such and such a thing. And then there's limited where you're just where there's detached where you're you don't get anyone's thoughts. Yeah. You're just reporting like a newspaper.
0: Which is sort of the style you use for the Unremarkable Squire. It it
1: is. The Unremarkable Squire is very much, um, yeah, you don't get thought processes at one point. Um, But, yeah, and it's a a different way of doing things. Actually, not a very common way, I think, nowadays, because people always want to be very emotionally invested in their character. Mm -hmm. And normally that's by getting deep in their thoughts, either through first person or... Through third uh, person. Well, there's limited, which is... I think that's what, I don't remember the technicality, but when you're following just one character.
0: Right. It's basically like first person, except not exactly. Yeah, it's
1: not exactly. Yeah, you're not, you have, you just have this little barrier, but there's a lot of phrases that the character would use and kind of it. Right. Sometimes you have thoughts or
0: sometimes the thoughts will kind of meld into the... Like in *The Wilder*, which is a book that I reread, and and uh, from an old, an old pulp fiction project where one person started a story and then the next person would continue it. And uh, Aaron had started the story, and he it was a comic booky story, so it made sense and employed the the protagonist's thoughts a lot, even though it was told third person. Yeah. And then there's there's a omniscient
1: third person where you see everyone's thoughts. I mean, it kind of just switches you're just roving around in people's heads
0: which also is not real common but people do yeah i don't think the third person omniscient i don't think is as common probably as the other two because it seems like when i do encounter it it always kind of throws me for a loop at first and and i
1: think you can do it very badly as well i mean Mm. you gotta do it in such a way so you're not being confused i've seemed like there was some book i just read an article about where they do it real... It's very interesting how they do it because then you're constantly seeing one event happening in all the different people's perceptions of the event. Mm. And so you can play with it that way. Sure. Um, I don't remember... It was a list of science fiction books, I think. I and, guess
0: in a certain sense, um, Lemony Snicket does that to a limited... It's a sort of a limited omniscient. It's kind of funny because, you know, Lemony Snicket is actually a character in those books. Yet at the same time, it, he tends to kind of go through, into the minds of each of the Baudelaire children yeah you know pretty regularly
1: and then and then there's various versions of narrators that you know there's first persons that know way more than they should you know and stuff like that so there's a lot of ways to play with it and i think why i was talking about it originally on my blog because i was i was thinking back that i used to write a lot of first person um and uh greg who's a listener of ours mentioned in the comments that he thinks and i agree with him a lot of people start with first person because that's just very natural it's just you know yourself, and so you just kind of write in some version or yeah. of yourself. I did it, I think, a lot because I tend to write very comedic, kind of overblown characters.
0: And I think, I think when Dawn was on our podcast several episodes ago, she she talked about that for the same reason, that she really preferred talking. It's the easiest to get on her character's heads when she's yes. from that perspective.
1: And, and yeah, because you're very deep into the person's heads. And the, the interesting thought, part about a first person, though, if you stylistically, is that they can be completely wrong i mean and what's actually happening well how you're perceiving it and i know some writers really play
0: with that you have unreliable narrators yes um well and sometimes sometimes though even then you can figure something out that the character doesn't yes. know even though you are in first person like hunger games katniss is constantly fighting on who she should be with or katniss is, is sort of uh short-sighted when it comes to herself she tends to have a pretty low opinion of herself and so there's a lot of times when the reader kind of figures things out before she does. And which I think. Kind of drove, I remember, drove at least one of my sisters nuts, <laughs> that fact about her.
1: But I think it's a very interesting thing with first person is that as the writer, you're playing two games. You're playing, here's what the characters think, and here's what I'm trying to convey to the audience.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Inside the You know, so you're. you're you still choose. I mean, you're always making choices when you're writing any perspective, but but first person I think is very common nowadays. In the more I'm young adult, all, and even I've written it recently for reasons I'll explain because of uh, it is very immediate. It's very emotional. It's very
0: mm-hmm. uh, and that's and that's appealing to a lot of people. And the present tense adds even more of that to it, right? Uh, especially more as as people are trying to get younger audiences to read more often, you you know, a lot of times, you know, that's probably why it's in YA so much because they need that, you know, immediate hook. And and what used to be, at least a lot of books I grew up
1: reading were third person with every chapter or every couple chapters a switch point of view, but it still be third person be like, I'd be following Matt around and then it'll be Randall Thor. Okay. real time. Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's why I learned a lot of my, my perception of how you write fantasy is that you, you, get behind the character's head and you do it from their perspective every, and a, two or three chapters later you ch- switch perspectives and that's how I wrote Stern Fred but nowadays they'll do first person but they'll still switch people every couple chapters mm-hmm. and they'll have two or three first person narrators mm-hmm. um, which, which is an interesting thing and I I haven't read them but from my point of view it would be interesting especially if you could pull off a stylist, a very stylistic difference in how they sound which is hard and I don't know if they hmm. try to do that or not I, I, I don't know interesting like if they have different dialects, different and... dialects or different click, uh ticks of words they use and oh, stuff sure. like that. Yeah, um, I think which I could think would be very exciting. Sure. Um, but anyways, I stopped doing first person because I think first person's very easy to over. Like I did, I did it purposely to overdo. But then when you start honing uh, at this point, that was in high school, when I started honing my writing, trying to make it more concise, less wordy. It's hard. It was hard for me to do in first person.
0: First person is just kind of dumping. <laughs>
1: mm, yeah. At least now, I mean, when I'm not a good
0: writer, it is. Right. It's because it is so immediate and so much more emotional in that sense. Then you don't have as a as a third person narrator, you get to kind of hone it down a little bit more and not try to. Not. You don't always want the Cloverfield effect. Yeah. <laughs> in yes. a sense. Exactly. In, to put it in some writing terms. <laughs> nice. Uh, movie terms. <laughs> well, yeah. Conver- <laughs> well, I mean, like, converting movie, a movie idea yeah. to a written idea. Yeah. So, and so I went to third person for a long time, and then
1: I found more and more instances to drop back in first person, either because it's emotionally important or because it... There's a story, I believe it's true, I seem to remember from high school, I was telling Tim before we started, that Mark Twain started Huckleberry Finn in third person. Like, Tom Sawyer was in third person. Sure. Um and then he wrote I think like 13 chapters and it just wasn't working for him so he kind of scrapped it wow. and went back to first person and that's when it it clicked and I think I found that for me for me the point of view has to be connected to other stylistic choices of the story. You know, The Unremarkable Squire is purposely limited because half the point of that novel is is character, which is detached yeah
0: kind of, and sort of close off his heart but, for people to kind of understand him so you first person totally wouldn't work for oh, that first person would ruin the book yeah, yeah. and even third person in his head
1: would i mean it would give away too much it'd give away too much yeah seeing him from the outside as a i mean there is this sense occasionally that the narrator is almost
0: recounting the story like he's heard yeah, he's
1: heard the story from other people.
0: Well, and I think I think you set that aspect of it very well in like your prologue because you talk about a lot about the histories, not in yeah. like a you know bogged down with information sort of thing, but like kind of take okay, this is where this story fits into the history of yeah. this world. Sort so of occasionally
1: thing. the narrator, quote unquote, will kind of drop in and kind of see him saying like. Later on, Obed would not, you know, would explain more, or, you know, and it mm-hmm. happens very seldomly. Narnia did the same thing. Every once in a while, the narrator will kind of drop in and say, but that's a story for, you know, or right. if you would, were a child of well, this place, you would...
0: And sometimes, yeah, the narrator would say stuff like that, too. Lucy would later say that it was, you know, she would compare it to this, or sometimes they would talk about what the characters, how the characters had described Or sometimes it. the narrator...
1: Because you can play with it. Um, Twilight Dawn stories. I don't know if we mentioned them much on the podcast. But there's a short whole world and short stories connected to them. The narrator there is it's written kind of third person. You can kind of get into people's heads a little bit. But every once in a while, they'll come out and say, I da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. So you know there's someone telling the story. Right. So it's, so I, I think it's important to make the choices. not because It changes the whole flavor of a story. I did a story, the Isle of Gold, where I started third person and just like like Twain, it just wasn't working. It it was a, the events were happening, but it wasn't engaging in the way I wanted it to be. And so I flipped to first person because kind of the point of that book was this sort of wondrous island kind. Of, and so I needed a character who could express the wonder for me in the kind of exuberant terms.
0: And another another recent book of yours though, uh, the Selects Bodyguard, you play with that. Um... Because you sw- switch from f- from uh, first person to third person depending on which character you're talking.
1: Yeah, and I remember I, I kind of wrestled with myself because basically it switches back and forth between the past and the present.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And also the, all the presents in the main character uh, in bronze point of view mm-hmm. and all the passes in the girl's, the Clea's point of view. And then I felt more and more like I could separate them somehow. And I thought first person for the immediacy of the catastrophe that was happening in present tense worked but it would sound lame in present in the flashbacks so it, right so it kind of separated the flashbacks and also gave a a different perspective of a very colored point of view
0: yeah well and it, it helped differentiate braun and kalia in a sense yeah. i mean like you said braun is more immediate and you get in his head and you understand him somewhat at least yeah. pretty quickly kalia is the more uh it's harder to get in her head anyway so yes, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that more more later. Uh, but but so so it made perfect sense to have a third person detached but, sort of thing for her. But it was weird to kind of do this back and forth. Mm-hmm.
1: I know I don't know if I've seen a story that I'm sure there are stories that do it, but I've never done it myself. Yeah. But it was you know a very conscious choice to purposely do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't read Great Gatsby forever, but it's technically told from. A narrator who's a friend of Great Gatsby and stuff happening to him. So it's first person, technically, even though it's about a... Interesting. His name's Nick, so that's why I remember.
0: (laughs) I think I mentioned that last podcast, but... Nice. Nice. Well, you know, we've been talking mostly uh, written word, but sometimes... uh, you get into some of this sort of thing with uh, more visual mediums. Now there has been a very rare, when you think of like first-person camera, you're probably thinking video games because first-person shooters, that happens a lot. Um, Portal is a is an interesting example of using the first-person pers- uh, perspective in a completely different way, because Portal is in its heart really a puzzle game. but. It didn't really need to be first person per se in order to, to have the game mechanics of it. Just the, the puzzle of using portals to go from one place to another. But because they used a the first person thing, then they added this whole other element of experience. Like what would it be like to have this portal gun? And it, and it adds to the kind of the creepy setting and story that they, they also tell with it.
1: That reminds me,
0: I love when growing up the old adventure games like the Lucas
1: um, the Lucas Arts games like um, Maniac Mansion. Maniac. Well, I didn't play much of like Full Throttle or Loom. Okay. Oh, if anyone's played Loom, that was a blast. Um, or even the King's Quest. I used to play King's Quest and Hero's Quest. I'm sorry, you won't be a hero. Those were awesome. But it's interesting. Then Mist um, came out. Miss is the same kind of style, except it's first person, and you were completely. I mean, the whole point of being first person was being immersed. I mean, you were the guy walking around, touching puzzles,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which vastly changes your experience of that sort of game, especially when they purposely make it so that it's such an engaging. I mean, the world is the character, mm-hmm. and in, in things like King's Quest and those, it's not. is more feels more puzzly. I mean, right. Miss is very puzz. I mean, it's all
0: a puzzle, but it has a different. Yeah. exploratory sense to it right yeah it's a different yeah, totally different feeling to it than if it had just been three bits and you're yeah. looking at the characters and if I had an iPad I would buy Mist for. It. they have it that's what I've It'd heard about that. perfect so anyway so that's how most people think about uh, first person camera perspective but it has been done in the movies occasionally and I'm not just talking about uh, Cloverfield <laughs> <laughs> although Cloverfield is obviously a pretty recent example yeah. of it but there's actually an old Humphrey Bogart movie where I think it's called Dark Horizon, where like the first third of it is f- completely from Bogart's character's perspective. Weird. It is very weird because it's in- it's interesting seeing this black and white movie and then seeing actors like talking straight to the camera, looking at you. That's kind of a. I mean, again, it would be something you had to choose on purpose, but could be really yeah neat. Well. In this case, I it's got a bit... It was a little bit of a gimmick in this movie's sort of case because in the first half, in the first bit of the movie, um, well, basically, it, it, the perspective changes back to regular, standard movie, you know, third-person sort of thing after Bogart's character has plastic surgery to have his face changed. okay. So you don't know what he looks like in this first part. Um, I see. And you just, so you just hear his voice. So it's a little gimmicky, but it's... It's really inter- an interesting experiment. I
1: mean, because in film normal, they'll do it for little bits of scene, won't they? I mean, like, you know, po- you know, for so-and-so's point of view as he's waking up in the hospital and, you know, everything's kind of fuzzy. And...
0: Yeah. Some... So so they'll
1: use it occasionally to really ma- make you, feel, you know, vertigo. I think
0: they'll do that. Yeah. Thing kind of from mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart's point of view. The or... weird camera movement and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Real quick, we'll interrupt our conversation real here to give a shout-out to Greg, who showed up in our comments. Hey, Greg. It's good to see you. Hello. He says he can't stay long, but he wanted to stop by for a bit. So you're always welcome to stop in, and we'll give you a shout-out, even if we're talking about something else completely (laughs) random. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I meant to borrow your your of Cinematography book also talked about this. And I thought they, they listed another example of a movie that had a, some first-person camera in it that did it through the whole movie. But I don't remember hmm. what Yeah, I don't story. remember. It's been a long time since I've i looked at that. But I think it would be really interesting to – it would be a really interesting experiment to do with that for a longer sequence. I mean now – now it wouldn't feel quite the same because we've got video games, but it was really interesting from like an old movie perspective You where well, you didn't see that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, if you had the right story, it might really
1: add something to it, mm-hmm. but I don't know what it would be exactly.
0: Yeah, it would be some sort of, because you can't, unlike a video game, you wouldn't be able to interact with it, but you'd be like within the character's mind. Yeah, I don't know what you'd do, but I love this. Now where does this, uh, does the second
1: person exist in film? Where the audience is the character. I mean, they do doing like interacting, you know, like the Star Wars tour thing on. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. The, you know, amusement part thing where you are the character mm-hmm. doing the stuff. But you think that would
0: ever be possible in a normal sort of film? I don't know. Well, see, and that's. I mean, it would be sort of a first person. Like, it's the first person camera. It would just. Oh, that's
1: true. It, that separation of.
0: Yeah. You being the person and. The person you're watching through is someone different. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only way—I mean, I guess it could be done if, like, um, I suppose it could be possible. Like, if the character who who the first-person camera is representing isn't saying anything, then so, like, if you're a Chrono from Chrono Trigger, and yeah, was dot 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 all the time. <laughs> yes, uh, there you go. First-person a Zelda movie. So obviously, <laughs> Link, never <laughs> se- Link never says anything because you're the audience. Yep. So. There we go. It, I think it starts getting sort of so. Awkward. So,
1: so it's really, I mean, it's really a, explaining wires for a film
0: between first and second. Yeah, yeah. It would basically it would really only be the difference of whether the character that the actor is talking to has a voice or not. In a you sense. know,
1: it's interesting. They play with this in interactive fiction sometimes, um, because you're, you you are the character, but sometimes then you'll it'll be like the, I guess there's one famous game where you can choose whether you go to the guy's bathroom or the girl's bathroom, and that determines which one you are. Because you don't... Oh, okay. Because you're playing a character, but then you don't know enough about the character itself. Okay, so then the... Ki- that sort of thin, separate... Oh, there's the other one called... Uh, what is it called? 905 or something like that? But anyways, you wake up in this room, you don't know... You're disoriented. And you're walking around, it's just whatever. And then you go out the door and you get, like, attacked by police or sometimes you get out and you just drive away. You're like, this game doesn't make any sense. But if you look under the bed, there's a dead body down there. And you've killed the person... But you, as a player, don't know that unless you've played the game
0: properly. Oh, that's, that's crazy. So
1: it's so it's really weird because who you're playing and who you are, who you think you're playing, are two different people. Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> and so there's that fun kind of uh, in, in interactive fiction. Some people have really played with that. Oh, that's the, cool, the separation between the character you're playing and the character you perceive right.
0: you're playing. That's interesting. I'd, I'd be interesting to, to play with the the. I mean, not just not in the writing sense, but yeah. the actual play in the game. I'd I'd like to like to try that. I, I might be able to find it for you sometimes. So <laughs> maybe I can find find a link to it online, and we'll put it in mm-hmm. the show notes. If I if I find it, I'll put it on show notes. One other uh, movie related thing, um, not so much first person. I think we've exhausted that subject. But in terms of narration, you know, sometimes uh, movies will include a bit of. Um, the novel in having a narrator, even yeah. for part of it, or like just just in the prologue, you know. And sometimes this can work really well, you know, aka like the Princess Bride. Yeah, you know that works perfectly for. Or that you can movie. kill the narrator in like Monty Pie and the Holy <laughs> Well. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't count. That doesn't count because they like introduce the narrator and then kill them. So, but no, like you know, Princess Bride that works perfectly for a storybook kind of story like that. Now handled the wrong way, this can feel very cliche and shoehorned in, and, that, and then you get Merlin's House of Mystical Wonders. <laughs> oh wow! That is for those of you who aren't Misties, That's uh, <laughs> go watch. <laughs> that, that's a that's a old, it's a really bad movie. It sort of has the same sort of setup as Princess Bride. This grandpa telling his grandson some stories, except. All these stories sound like they belong from the Twilight Zone. <laughs> They're like it should be like called Merlin's House of Mystical Horrors, as opposed to Wonders. I should mention two things
1: that I meant to uh, comment on. One was Greg on my blog when I was talking about Point of View. You mentioned that scary stories seem to work really well in first person. Oh sure, you no, know, yeah. because you you want that immediacy, that sort of like what's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. you can do it in third. He said he's done it in third person, but I've never written that many scary stories, so. I don't know, but that makes sense to me.
0: Well, what's House of the... House of Memories?
1: Yeah, House I guess of I Memories guess that is. sort of is. Yeah, so that's, that's, of... Third. that's third, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it's third, yeah. yeah. I could... It's been a while.
0: But, I mean, that's more of a... I guess eh, it's not really horror. It's, it's... more Ted Decker suspense. Yeah. Um, so.
1: And then talk about movies switching, you know, trying to translate the book. You know, you mentioned Hunger Games as first person. Mm-hmm. And then when they made the movie, they purposely made it very detached they didn't use narrators they didn't try to get her thoughts yeah i mean and i really i watched them behind the scenes and it, i i believe it was a very conscious choice of them to to omit her narration or to, anything uh, like yeah, that yeah to make it and i think that really makes it a, a, a powerful a more powerful movie than if you had tried to play the internal mm. in the same way because the movie's different so you play on the strengths of the movie and maybe even you know the, the camera even is documentary style yeah, I mean this. I mean, at least in the first movie, it's very almost like this is what's happening. Right. So it's almost the more immediacy of documentary than immediacy of inside the thoughts.
0: That's a, yeah, that's a good. Which point. Which was an interest. I thought was a really interesting choice because there's lots of different ways you could have done mm-hmm. the transition. Well, and that's and that's the other thing that uh, the other bad thing that narration can do in a movie if you're not doing it right um, and this was I was reminded of this when I was watching some review of the last airbender the live action yep. movie yeah where they spend way too much time in certain sections on narration trying to bring in all the exposition all the information from the cartoon series that is important information but you know sometimes you have to remember show don't tell yeah and narration can be a bad way sometimes of telling too much but i think that's i think that applies almost as much
1: to writing first person sometimes be your cheap way of show you know you can mm. tell more easily mm-hmm. and so you still have to learn how to show in first person
0: that's a good point yeah i
1: mean obviously you can still say i'm angry but it's even better if you find ways to show it right even if it's you know I scream and hit my head against the wall until I knock <laughs> myself out. I don't know. And then you get into awkward stages like, okay, how did you just tell me
0: you knocked yourself out if you're unconscious? But <laughs> uh, <laughs> Right. Yeah, I mean, the art of showing not telling is tricky, even no matter what person yeah. you're coming but from. I th- I, yeah, I just figure knowing how I used to do first person, I tend to
1: overplay everything, and that's in more recent. Are we going to save that for a project update? Yeah, I'd probably okay. say that.
0: So, all right. Anyways. But, you know, that's, that's a good discussion about uh, about perspectives. And as always, as we've said on here, in many cases, it just depends on your story. Imagine that. No hard and fast rules. You know what? I'm really not a fan of those, like, ten
1: ways to do such and such a thing. Those sell magazines and sell mm-hmm. books. But I don't think they're
0: true to anything. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell Dr. Hensley
1: that. Well, I mean, I mean, they're, they're good <laughs> guidelines. It was interesting. I read recently... Uh, basically 10 rules of writing for science fiction that you should throw out the window. And it's like, normally you do this. Why not not do it? You know, it's like (laughs) examples of great novels that didn't do it, you know, did not do this style of narration or did not do this style of, it's like avoid info dumps and like, well, here's a really good novel where the info dump is awesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So interesting. It was a neat list. So there's always, yeah, there's always exceptions, but yeah, know your story. I, like we said before, anywho, we're done and, with... and
1: be, I guess be willing to try the other way if it doesn't feel like it's working. Yeah, yeah so.
0: and yeah, that's an important lesson too. So
1: you know first person isn't working, third isn't working. you try second it's not working. It's not the story's not gonna work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You've exhausted all possibilities. you You are writing from the hive mind. Um, <laughs> I'm sure someone's tried that too, but and I'd love to see I would love to see someone else try to do that uh, first person movie thing. At least for something that's not combat oriented, because I, I'm I know the Doom I, movie tried to do it. Yeah, Doom movie tried to do it, and I know there's some guys like on YouTube that have done some like you know first-person shooter simulator movie type things, which done well can be very cool. Make, make it a like real artsy movie. Yes, I think I, that is one problem. I, I think I I did hear from about like the movie that tried to do that because then you wind up having actresses trying to make out with a camera. And that's kind of awkward. Well, they don't make it romance. <laughs> <laughs> Gone with the wind, first person. No, see, th- th- <laughs> like with the Humphrey Bogart thing, the parts that worked really well were the kind of the more suspenseful things. Because then you had like the actors glaring at the camera, and as an audience, that makes you kind of like you know want to back up and it's like, uh. yeah, yeah, if you did it right, it would be really interesting. Yeah, I like yeah. that. So, yeah. anywho, okay, we've tried to wrap this up a couple times, so that will really wrap up and uh, move on to our soundtrack. So uh, this is your 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 first this Oh time, yes, Nick. I am
1: first this time. So I went through all kinds of things and I my, my gut reaction was Doom, it's first person. And oh Maze Dude did lots of first person doom action and then I
0: I'm tapping my foot over here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so I decided not to do that and decided to go a little different. I wanted to get a different perspective from characters in a game. You mm-hmm. know, so as as perspective. So this is a song called uh, Tetris Plays You from the perspective of the blocks of Tetris. There's a wide variety of good old <laughs> Overclocked Remix people who uh, are crazy. <laughs> well, okay. But we're involved in this song. Um, but anyway, they, collectively, they're called Block Party. I think, pun intended. Okay, Tim got me the list, so I can attempt to, to pronounce their names. There's Zircon, which is always awesome, and his wife, Jillian Aversa And then Level 99, Palpable, and Diotrans. Diotrans? Diotrans. I'm, I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, I think you might enjoy this. yet you know back in the mother country
0: <laughs> well, is this where i come in yeah. i am the square you can put me over there in the middle of
2: Look at me, perfect symmetry Rotate all you want, it's the same you see I'm stuck, yes, I'm stuck here now Shit, no one L for I am?
0: stand for this yeah this is like total crap uh. that's it i quit me too ouais, vive la
2: resistance.
1: Oh, back to soviet union yeah Tetris too hard
0: and we're back hello so in case you had forgotten we are uh we are recording this in live streaming this um recording as we're live streaming i should say so that's why we said greg had showed up in our comment section and so remember, dear listener, keep an eye on our, our Facebook because, like, today we kind of... We, we switched it up on you guys. <laughs> yeah, had a different, our schedule just worked out best to do it today. Normally,
1: so, it's uh on a Thursday, about 8.30 every eight. month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like every four Thursdays, yeah. basically. So, about four, four weeks from the 17th. Yes. Because my wife's birthday. That's why we're not doing it on okay. the 17th.
0: Yeah. So anyway, we should go ahead and throw out a few uh, more of Greg's comments since he was on the board. Uh, he says, "I wish more movies would introduce and kill the narrator like in Monty Python." That would be good. <laughs> that would be fun. He says he also mentions his pet peeve in first-person stories is when they reveal that they're dead at the end. If they're, if you're dead, then how did you tell us? Dunch. No, I don't know. They're they're they'll, That's a good point.
1: they're telling to other dead people. Like, <laughs> hey guys, guess what happened? They're like, we already knew you're dead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That could be. It's kind of like, you know, lost. Okay, Nick's me laughing because we had this conversation last two weeks ago about how many people still believe everyone on the island was dead the whole time, the even, whole time, like all six seasons. Yeah, even though it, they've said over and over again, no, that's that's not, not what happened. Anyways, if you're not paying attention at the very
1: last five minutes of a show, that you need to pay attention to all the time. <laughs> anyways, yes, we had it. to get
0: our our, uh, our lost in this episode. So. <laughs> yeah, that was probably where it was going to come in. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Anyways, uh, we're yeah. gonna do some project update. At some point, we're gonna make it easier to cue up our musical cues, right? Yeah. Now, right now, I just have like a GarageBand timeline that I like. To he see. had
1: like eight windows open, flipping between them. Um,
0: yeah, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. So yeah, okay. Anywho, project updates.
1: So, um, I will start with uh, my plug for if you have not read The Unremarkable Squire, how dare you? No, but um, it's still available. Yeah, it's still yeah. out. So, it's
0: still a great book. You have still, some more reviews on I have on some Amazon. more reviews on
1: Amazon. So if you don't trust me, trust the reviews or don't. But um, <laughs> no, generally, I've had people all generally say they really enjoy it, yes. which is always encouraging.
0: Yeah, it's very, very accessible. Maybe more accessible than, say, the Clock Tower. Yeah, which, which Tim just read and he's like, this is kind of odd, which I, I completely agree with. So, <laughs> But, I mean, a good kind of odd. It's kind of a fairy, well, not fairy, well, it's sort of fairy tale, but kind of parable. It switches like three times. <laughs> <laughs> but if you like George MacDonald, I think you would like this a lot. If you don't know who George
1: MacDonald is, you might not like <laughs> <laughs> Um The other thing I've been working on lately... Yes. And which we keep like half hinting about and why we started talking about narrators in the first place is Chow in the well still exists. Yes. And if you haven't been reading it, um, it's a good time to do it because we have three whole novels done. And mm-hmm. so if you don't like to read it week by week, you can download them. Well, uh, the ebooks books of uh, Fall of the House of Kaiser and The Doctor's Assistant will be coming out. I think Kaiser should come out this week and the next one the week after. Okay, so that so you can read in one lump
0: sum if you're that sort of person, and kind of remind us. Let's see. So House of Kaiser is a sep- is actually a separate a series line within Children of the World. That's true. Yeah, there's two
1: storylines. One is Selects Bodyguard, mm-hmm. um, which is about these two people, Bron and Clea,
0: and their story continues in in the Doctor's Assistant, right, which is also just finished. And the other storyline involves a uh, young would be emperor named Jason. And he, and he belongs to the House of Kaiser, which, as the title of his first book suggests, falls. falls so. <laughs> so anyway, that's Ben. Also a nice allusion to Poe. Oh, okay. Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And <laughs> it has
1: nothing to do with the book. I just like the title.
0: <laughs> well, anyway, Jason's story will be continuing uh, this fall. Um, in a couple of weeks, hopefully, you'll get the yeah. story going. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, his his sequel book will begin. And we won't be serializing two books like we did with Doctor's Assistant and The Fall House of Kaiser that proved to be uh, too time-intensive for our limited staff. And possibly for our limited readers. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, but, but his will be continuing next. And then the the third book of the Bron and Kalia series will be written by none other than Nick
1: Hayden. Oh, oh
0: about me. Yes. Oh, yeah. So um, it's called, tentatively, The
1: Well's Orphan, which is kind of a fun title. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is I wanted to, we were, it's about Kalia and she's a hard nut to crack. She's a kind of a uh, abrasive, overly intelligent, she's sensitive.
0: She's too smart for her own good in a nutshell. Yeah,
1: basically. So she's, she's, and she was written third person for all of Select's bodyguard except the last chapter. That's spoiler. Is it? Oh, a little bit. And then, and then Laura wrote in third person because that makes the most sense. And I was going to do that same thing, but it's all about her, and it's a very emotional time for her. And then last minute, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write her first person. And then I kind of stared at the computer for a long time, <laughs> because she's not an easy one to do first person. She's not. There's no easy weigh grabbing in. point. Yeah, weigh in because she. And the problem is she has like two or three levels of self knowledge, which is really weird. <laughs> you know, like she know like she does certain things, and sometimes she knows she's doing certain things on purpose just
0: to annoy. You know. So it's another time she's lying to herself. She's
1: lying. And, and she knows, you know, and somewhere deep down, she knows she's lying to herself. So it's another time she doesn't. Probably. Yeah. Or so. yeah, doesn't. Admit it. Yeah, I don't know. And the thing is, though, so I had to write with this sort of ambiguity on herself while also being detailed, while being really concise and like matter of fact, matter of fact, it's it's weird and emotional without being overdone. And even though she's like in a horrible, horrible spot in her life. So we'll see if it works. Um, so far,
0: the first chapter, I've, I know Natasha, thought worked. So that's good. So you can – that should be coming out in, in – January. January. So you can tune in then and see if the experiment see, works. See how horrible it is. <laughs> how, how much of a train wreck you had yes. on your hands. So, And for a couple quick reviews, uh, I should say – point out here that Greg, a.k.a. the North Sea, as his uh, – mixler username is commented that he loved the clock tower so as he should <laughs> so that means you should all go read it yes because uh, there's a re- review for you right there so that's are those are those the projects that's that are what I'm
1: the- working on right now I got other stuff I need to do but haven't like <laughs> I did I, I did actually some work on certain Fred oh, until cool. I started on this book right I'm trying right. to hammer it out as quick as possible so right
0: cool and I should I should uh, mention in terms of uh, projects for me oh. Apple Fest. Uh, yes, uh, I recently put out a video of my my uh, Muppet roommate, Leo, visiting uh, the local Apple Festival here in Kenderville, which was a lot of fun to do. It was originally filmed two years ago, and I can't remember if I mentioned it on the podcast before or not. I might have. Um, mm, I don't remember. I, I, I'm sure I've said something about Leo at the very least before. Oh, yeah. But anywho, that's on there. He's He's a crazy city kind of puppet guy that's visiting a rural um apple festival fall festival so, yeah um, pioneer festival so pioneer leo. yeah that's that kind of thing um and he he has i i told nick i leo is sort of i never quite know what he's going to say next he's sort of like a alternate persona <laughs> Uh, I perform him. Well, don't tell Leo I perform him, but <laughs> but uh, he kind of does whatever he wants. So anyway, some of his reactions are fun. I went through the hay maze with him. That's probably the craziest thing I've ever done. <laughs> Crawling around my back with this kid leading me on. Come on, come on, come on! I'm like, hang on, kid. I'm about to die of asthma here. But nice. But it, it's a fun video. It's it's long. It was like 11 minutes. But it was it's fun. Nice. Okay, that's all we got. That's that's all we got for projects, and that's plenty of it. So, with that said, let's move on to our take on Tales.
1: So, we're running a little long, so we'll have to probably make a little short of the take on Tales. But I, think, I
0: think it's doable. Yeah. I don't know that we'll go real deep yeah. into this stuff.
1: So, anyways, we're going to tackle some... Um, it's new TV
0: season. Mm-hmm. And we're not, we don't watch tons of TV, but we watch some stuff we think is good. So... Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about the one that people know that we. I think we've talked about on here before, and is kind of one of our mutual favorite shows on right now, and that is Once Upon a Once Time. Once Upon a Time, which is a surprise that we watch after all that talk about Lost. I mean, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Lost Riders and yeah. has a lot of the uh, same feel,
1: stru- a lot of structural
0: and, similarities. And, and this season, they're they're on an island. I, with a kidnapped kid. With a kidnapped kid. <laughs> They're doing, they do lots of roaming in the jungle. In fact, yes. I'm almost getting kind of tired of them roaming through the jungle. <laughs> it's been three episodes so far. Yeah. Three episodes in.
1: And I have to say, like, season two had a lot of good stuff, especially beginning and end, and a lot of neat characters, but it got kind of unwieldy yeah. in the middle. Kind of like too many characters. And this season is very, it seemed much more focused. Yes. And doing a good job in the first three episodes of really. Making sure we've touched base with all our main characters, like Regina, kind of been pushed aside until this episode, and then so everyone's kind of gotten decent face time, and mm-hmm. and okay, and Peter Pan, I, that kid is great.
0: <laughs> see, I'm not, I'm not certain when I think about this Peter. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm intrigued by this Peter Pan. Uh, see, well, like my sister Rachel pointed out, they keep saying that he has lots of power. He hasn't really shown... Okay, he can disappear at will, but, you know, so can Regina. He can can catch arrows in the air, yay. Yeah. (laughs) He he has a band of, like, dark ranger lost boys. Okay, that's kind of cool. But it doesn't necessarily scream uber power. Yeah,
1: it'll be interesting.
0: I I wonder if the power just means that they say it runs on
1: imagination. Maybe his magic doesn't really have any boundaries. That's possible. Because even Rumble stills can kind of... Afraid of him in theory. No, you're right. We haven't seen much.
0: Right. But I wonder if we're waiting till... I mean, he's kind of just toying with him at this point. Well, true. And I'll be interested to see what they do with this next episode, because it looks like they're finally there's more of a confrontation, yeah. which I mean I have to say I really I really dug the fight scene last ep- in episode two. Yeah, between, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun just seeing them mix it up. Hooks, it's great having Hook like the only one who knows what's going on. <laughs> well, the fun thing about Hook is that unlike the Charmings and Regina and Rumpel, they all have this really color this bad history. The only one that Hook has a history with is Rumpelstiltskin. Everyone else, he's just like, whatever, well- mates. <laughs> Like, it doesn't have all this deep-seated animosity. that. So, I, I
1: think it's been a really strong start for the season. I, I, I would agree. I
0: mean, I like the new setting.
1: I, yeah, the law jungle trapping. I can't...
0: Well, and apparently it's never It's never daytime. It's perpetually night in this Neverland. Yeah, it's very interesting. They've gone with this very dark Neverland, and I can't... I go back and forth on whether I like it or not. Well, Be-
1: because I was never, I've never... I didn't read Peter Pan until, like, I was out of high college mm-hmm. so well, i mean I, it, I
0: there's sort of there's a difference between revisionist uh fairy book characters and like just using like the skin of them to create yeah. so they completely knew and and they, this, do, a that, they, I mean, they do, do a lot of that i mean they do do a lot i mean once a time is very uh well i guess the, th- the difference is for me is that like snow white and evil queen okay they're fairy tales they the, were not very depth there's not a whole lot of personality there anyway. Peter yeah. Pan has a whole novel written about him.
1: Well, so... well, and the thing is, I'm always curious. To, you know, everyone, all our main characters dislike him. But simultaneously, like in the last episode, he wants to bring magic back. But it at least seems like a good idea from Henry's point of view. I mean, yeah. maybe he's more
0: gray than everyone's letting on. It it could very well be. I'm Yeah, I wondered about that. So We'll uh, see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, plus, plus, realistically, you have
1: a a whole island full of boys that don't grow up, there might end up being more Lord of the Flies than Happy-Go-Lucky. <laughs> I mean, in a more realistic world. Oh, well, yeah, true. So
0: so it'll be it'll be interesting to see where the season goes. Um But, yeah, so that's that one. That's that, that, that's that one. And then the new Once Upon a Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the spinoff, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which I really liked the pilot. I did, too. I was, you know, because pilots are hard.
1: Yeah. I mean, pilots are tricky things. And I thought, I mean... You instantly like all the characters, or mm-hmm. at least find them in. I mean, the person with the least, the Red Queen, I felt was kind of the weakest. Yeah, thing. and
0: uh, yeah, and she just is. Yeah. Jafar, I was really actually impressed with. Yeah, man, Jafar. They had a they had a really nice intro for Jafar. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that they even has the snake staff. Yes. You know, that, real, that I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's yeah, that's very that's quintessential. If you're gonna name your character Jafar, you not just that. evil evil. Let's. Uh, what's his title vizier vizier <laughs> then you gotta have the snakes you know and
1: you know and i love the alice character working really well and the yeah. jacket i yeah.
0: mean well and i and i was i was happy too i liked i didn't know that they were gonna have her actually be a little girl like at the start oh, yeah. like the kind of the idea that she's been going to wonderland for years now yeah. basically which i thought was the, i thought maybe like the whole you know because like when disney did the alice wonderland movie not too long ago they had a Alice be older, the yeah. Time didn't it? Or yeah, was believe, or was that a return sort of thing? I don't remember. I don't, remember. It, I don't remember now. Okay, but anyway, I like that she started off as the girl. So, that's... I
1: mean, it's very much in the wheelhouse of Once Upon a Time, and you know, you got true love, and da, da, da. yeah. So, if you don't like Once Upon a Time, you will not like this, but if you like the original, yeah, I, I can't imagine not
0: liking this, basically. Yeah,
1: well, what, what I appreciate, I think, is that it didn't feel like it was like just the stepsister, Once Upon a Time, though they had a couple connections, yes. it didn't feel like it was like hanging on everything that was
0: right like like it was dependent upon the other show yeah. and i was surprised to see story have a cameo in a, in a sense i didn't really expect that there would be any connection and i'm kind of curious how that works since apparently the white rabbit had to bring the Nath of hearts back in time to rescue alice or so it seemed i don't yeah i don't know because back in time why is that well because alice was in like victorian london or something oh. You know, or like older, eighteen hundreds. So. The nave, was, you know, the nave wasn't. Well, no, the nave was in modern time. That's yeah. what I mean. Oh, uh, I see. I see. How did he get? From, they had. They had to go jump back in time to go from modern story. Oh, the time to, traveling, right? Ra- well, he's always out of time. <laughs> he's always like. <late. laughs> That's true. I guess. That, I guess it makes sense. So,
1: though I thought it was funny, you know, they're always trying to find ways against around uh, world. Apparently, all you need is a rabbit can dr- dig holes, in your set.
0: <laughs> That's true. Unless it can only go to Earth. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Know. That's possible, well, but yeah, they just need to find a white rabbit. Yeah. That's that's all Bellfire needs, yep. I guess. But so anyway, those are the once upon a times. Real quick uh, interjection here because yep. I've been meaning to get to it. Um, oh, Greg says in the Tim Burton movie, she did go to Wonderland when she was younger, but we didn't really see it. Okay, so it was sort of like that. And I do like, as Greg also says, it sort of implied that the oh, okay, so he's talking about okay, so it's implied that the Tim Burton movie was a sequel to the Disney cartoon. Right. You can sort of also infer that, like, so the Lewis Carroll novel happened in Once Upon a yeah. Time Wonderland. Yes. So, which, even though I don't care about the book that much. I, I love the book. I still need to read it. See, I, I'm, a, just... I'm a big fan of,
1: of, uh, of both the books. Okay. Of a uh, look through a looking glass in the original.
0: I I would like to read it sometime. I just know the original Disney animated movie turned me off of the whole process. For, for so yeah, I think
1: I think Alice Wonderland is my version. You're
0: Peter Pan.
1: <laughs>
0: it could be, it, 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 <laughs> which actually possible.
1: explains a lot about my writing style too. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of a big difference. I suppose, between... between
0: anyway, to answer a question that Greg asked much earlier about, he asked if Leo will have his own podcast or internet show um the internet show is a possibility and I, has been for many years <laughs> if you've heard me talk about doing a web series before it would be something that would involve leo in part at least so yes we have thought about having leo on the podcast before but i'm not convinced that it would work real well because his voice is not unique enough from my own i think i think it's been kind of fun to have him me and him in the same scene sometimes because people realize it's me and like okay how did you do that um but i'm not sure it would work on the podcast yes But anyway all right and then uh the other show we're both watching
1: is shield agents Ag- of agents shield. of shield yes. <laughs> which it for, i was kind of ambivalent towards the, the pilot i thought it was good but it was like pilots are hard and i didn't it, i didn't know any of the characters very well right and since then i felt like i got to know the characters and it's just kind
0: of fun and colson's awesome yeah yes colson <laughs> is awesome um what i liked about this last episode is i well, the um, aside from Coulson, who is you know, lots of fun, I think the most interesting character is the hacker girl. Yes. Um, just because there's this whole ambiguity of, is she going to go with him, is she not? And in a sense, she really kind of plays with... Um, she, she's kind of the stand-in for the audience, in a sense, in that, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is this, like, secret government agency. Full black, yeah, men in black. I mean. Men in black, yeah. <laughs> they're the, the secret, the government group that we're not sure if we can trust them or not, especially in, you know, today's world. Yeah. with NSA and all that kind of stuff. And yet, we're you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is, you know, the good guys here. So, at least that's what yeah. we want to believe. Yeah, and it was interesting when I... I think once I figure
1: watch the pilot there and figure out what kind of show this was gonna be, because I wasn't sure, you know, because Marvel's in lots of different types of mm-hmm. levels of realism or not. And this is a very comic booky show in many ways. Yeah. And simultaneously it's trying very hard not to be like the movie. I mean, it's not trying to do big Right the big plots. It's, it's Which you don't it's a, a thing.
0: Th- yeah, it's a very good balance I think they have because it's a comic booky show, but it's focusing on the secret agents, it's not focusing on like giant powers yeah. or, you know, response well, responsibility maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think there's a lot
1: of fun potential there. It's 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 been entertaining so far.
0: And I like the mix of missions that they've
1: had. Yeah, I think they that's thought, been good. Zach thought it was a good job that they did the the second episode was um you know in another country. You know, it's kinda like okay we're not going to just hang around trying to hunt down superheroes.
0: Oh, that are all happen to be in New York exactly. for some reason. It, yeah. yeah. Except the runaways which are in, you know, LA. Right. <laughs> Which runaways would be a really interesting thing to have. That would make in. that would make a great TV show, honestly. Oh yeah, definitely. And, well, and I guess um, the the guy that they had at the end of this last episode is a minor Marvel villain. Oh really? But you know, because nice. you saw the hand coming out of yeah. the, like the powerful goop or whatever it was. <laughs>
1: and I think it's it's
0: nice to kind of run around the edges of the big
1: the big names for this
0: oh yeah because there's there's tons of minor characters and villains that you can that will never be in the movie. so is moon probably. knight small enough to get in this show and
1: what are, cloak go cloak and dagger cloak it? and dagger. Oh, that's what i'm thinking not moon knight.
0: moon knight's also a c level or b level but probably maybe cloak and dagger that'd be kind of, uh, be kind of neat yeah. but but seriously i think runaways would fit perfectly within the show i don't know if they'd ever do it but yeah. i think i think that'd be a perfect fit for this kind of shit thing so yeah, good hopes for that. So thanks for listening, Greg. I'm glad that's uh, he. He has to go. He's and gotta gonna go run. I have to go here in a few minutes too. So, so yeah, we're we're, we're getting to the end of it. Um, you want to talk about real quick? Talk about revolution. 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 Laser
1: show. I've been watching since the beginning. Early on, I was like, I I don't know because, and then they'd had their break and then they like kicked it up like five notches and it was like moving at l- laser speed. Like they were just going like months at a time, and and the show's always been kind of gritty. I mean, it's post-apocalyptic largely, and so there's people with you know, they fight with swords, and there's you know they kill people indiscriminately, you know, the random, which has always bothered me a little bit, but the drama really kicked up in the writing, and I thought, okay, I'm going, to, and then season two started. I think we've seen three episodes. It's brutal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you know, it, and it's like. The guy gets, the main character gets his hand smashed with a hammer, Mm -hmm. broken. It's just, it's almost, it bores for me on a little too much, a little too dark. Just simultaneously, they somehow always have this sort of hopeful, it's not horribly bleak. I mean, it's dark enough, but it's like, but we're trying to be good people and we can be good people or something like that. And the characters are interesting enough now that I'm like, they they did, they jumped like six months between the two seasons. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they did a really good job kind of mixing things up and moving things forward. So, it's been a very entertaining show so far. I mean, I, I, I'm going to keep watching it. I think, drama-wise, like the last episode, they just, they know how to ratchet it up. And, they I mean, they've really played with that, keeping thing, stakes really high and
0: not pulling many punches. So, you don't feel like it's hit Battlestar Galactica levels of inkiness not Yeah,
1: and I think, you know, the Battlestar Galactica thing, I was thinking about the other day, I think in the comment... Bouncing too,
0: off our episode last time. <laughs> well,
1: a comment, Greg had left, you know, and I was thinking, sometimes I think the difference is when the pain brings out some sort of aspect of your character i don't mind as much when the pain seems like it just hurts your character Mm. and so far the pain has in in revolution has tried to draw out either good or bad aspects of our main characters in a certain way not just like and life's horrible
2: Mm. you know it's
1: like the guy gets an arm beat you know but he still wants to protect and but he only has one hand and so you know so they play enough with it Okay. I think it hasn't got that level yet. I mean, it could get that level. Right. I think so. I'm I'm waiting. Okay.
0: And real quick, I'll just give a shout out to NCIS, which I know is not it's not a great TV, but family has watched it for years, and I, so I, I watch it with them. It's it's fun, and you know they're procedurals, but after you know it's been on for like the first the main series NCIS has been on for like ten years. So by this point, you really know the characters pretty well, and um, when the leading lady stepped out this year, it was you know it was really hard to see her go, and and they did a good job playing with that, and you know even though it, you know the show is really more about well, in one sense it's about the crime drama, but a lot I think probably what keeps our family coming back is watching seeing what the characters are doing and they're interacting and their banter and, and all that stuff, and they keep doing a great job with that. The spinoff show NCIS Los Angeles we still laugh at just because it seems like every other episode they're chasing after a nuclear bomb. <laughs> and most of the cases were like, what does this really have to do with the Navy? <laughs> but, uh, again, the characters are fun and kind of ridiculous. And, uh, and so fun stuff there. So, anyway, if you're looking for a safe procedural sort of thing, we enjoy that. And we wish, um, which I, hadn't never, I had never really gotten... Like, I really enjoy Person of Interest, but I've never gotten into it as much as my family does. But I do kind of empathize with them. They moved it, like, right after both NCIS shows.
1: Oh, so it's, like, three in a row.
0: Yeah, yeah. so it's, like, three in a row. And it's, like, it's a bit much. That's a lot of TV to yeah. sit down and watch all together. Yeah um i mean it's That's still a show i would like to catch up on one of these days it's totally worth it if you're able to netflix a, I, don't, yeah. I, I assume you can get the dvds from netflix yeah probably it. i don't think it's in the streaming but I, w- I would like to catch up with that too there's there's lots of uh, i haven't seen but it's every time i watch it I, i've really anything it. with michael emerson i'll go for <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's fun, too, because... Well, I, I watched the
1: pilot, I think, maybe one or two or more episodes. I'm like, this is good stuff.
0: It, it is very good stuff. And they've expanded their regular cast, yeah. too. They've I've heard that. they They keep adding new people, and there's, like, this one... There's this one recurring character that I've seen a couple of times. Who's she? She she can like talk to the machine, like the machine that that gives them, the feeds them yeah. the information, has sort of taken on some sentience. Interesting. And uh, there's yeah yeah I gotta get this. And there's and there's this one crazy hacker girl who has started being able to talk with it, but she's kind of nuts. Interesting. <laughs> so it's it's a real we're not sure where they're going with it, but it's a, it is it's a fascinating show, and I've enjoyed it whenever I get I have a time to watch it. Yeah anyway, we've gone on plenty long as it is, so it's time to start wrapping things up here. Nick, what is our contact info? Well, you can t-
1: subscribe to us on iTunes. Please mm-hmm. do. You can visit our website, uh, blogspot.com. Leave us comments. We love comments. Um, and you
0: may even get mentioned in the show.
1: Like probably will if you leave a comment. <laughs> like, like, we talked about Greg a lot
0: this episode. Greg, 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 Greg. Greg, Greg. So, Greg, Greg. We keep saying his name often enough. Maybe we'll turn into a Pokemon. <laughs> or be someone from Greg, Greg, Gregory, Greg, Greg, Greg Gregory. So, <laughs> wow.
1: Okay, then. <laughs> it's apparently time for us to bow out. Um, you can also email us at duraltrains at gmail.com, which I have not checked in a month.
0: <laughs> no, uh, I'm sure I
1: didn't. So maybe we have tons of fan mail.
0: It could be well if if you have if you have written us fan mail, um, we we apologize for the wait and we will get back to you. Um, but anywho, uh, it is cl- we are clearly up too late, so we're going to wrap this up with my soundtrack. And because again we we talked about Portal earlier because I felt it was fitting with uh, being a first person game, so I thought we should do a song from Portal. And of course the song everyone knows from Portal is still alive, of course, uh, with the infamous computer Glados. And this is actually a remix called Live from Subject Hometown Here. Um, And it is performed by the Gamer Symphony Orchestra. And uh, it's a pretty fun, you know, Still Alive is kind of a techno-y sort of, I don't know what you call it exactly. It it plays with a computer thing. But this is a really nice, if you're going to do an orchestral version of Still Alive, this is what it should sound like. So anyway, it's quirky and I hope you enjoy. With that said, this has been Tim. This has been Nick. And we will see you next time. yeah and we'll have to
1: choose uh what page to go to and hopefully don't die.
0: yeah hope and hopefully
1: we'll turn up that in our own time period. a own time period not like like an Aztec time because that would be yeah. wicked bad that would be bad they might want my heart so this was a
2: trial. say